Welcome to the Homeschool Loftcast, a podcast presented by the Homeschool Loft in De Pere, Wisconsin. Our goal at the Loft is to encourage parents who educate their children at home and let them know that they are both called to and empowered for the task of home-based education. At the Loft itself, we offer one-on-one consultations, book clubs and discussion groups, workshops and seminars, and a curriculum viewing library. Through the Loftcast, we extend our reach to encourage and bless homeschooling parents everywhere. Today, we are going to talk about homeschooling preschool and kindergarten. And I feel like I should probably put that word homeschooling in quotes, but we'll get into that a little bit as we go along. Um, A few months ago, I did a seminar on this live with some people in Green Bay, Wisconsin that came out uh, to the seminar. And um, we have committed, since we don't tape those, um, to talking about the topics of those seminars uh, on the podcast. So here we go. And I guess Jenny might be my interviewer. I'm not quite sure because we're both here today. Yay. Yay. (laughs) I don't have any questions in front of me, but I'll interview you. (laughs) Well, Yes, so you can just guess, right? Yep. Actually, you were at the seminar, right? Yes, so I was. So kind of think back that a lot of things have happened in both our personal lives wow. since the day of that seminar. Remember. We've both moved and all these other different things. Um, but I know you'll remember this because we had some sweet moms sitting there with us. Uh, and one of the first things I did was ask them when they feel that they should start academics with a child. I don't know if you remember me asking that question. That, yes. So... Why don't you pretend that you're one of those young moms? What is the typical answer when someone is thinking that they're going to start academics with their child? I think that my little boy, we've just been so concerned because, I mean, he's only four, but I just feel like we live in this apartment complex and I have three other boys that just live up the way and they're all so good with, they're just readers. And so I just Mm. feel like we just need to get him into reading. And I'm just wondering what we can use to do that. We just, uh, I just feel so bad because no matter what my husband and I do, nothing works. So I just, I really want to get him on a program. Mm. I want to give him a great big push and just get him well on his feet so that he doesn't have any, you know, long-term effects from that. So do you feel like he's four and you're behind? I do. Oh, yes. when do you think you should have started academics? I think probably three. I mean, is that, pre, you know, preschool? <laughs> Two and a half, three for sure. <laughs> you guys. Oh okay. my gosh. Okay. Kidding. So, all right. So reading. Okay. Yeah, so, reading. so, okay. So a lot of people do say yes. three, four, yes. certainly five. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you say, well, when do we have to start? Right. Yeah. Um, and what does academics mean? Learning to read is a big one. What are some of the other things that people say they they think their three, four, and five-year-olds need to know? What would you say? Well, there's reading, and then there are, um, I mean, I don't know. What's the answer? I mean, do you think that they should start to learn math when they're four years old? Yes. What about spelling? Spelling just goes hand in hand with reading and, and handwriting. What so about they're handwriting? Need to, oh, Do they, hand have to, they have to write? They need to have a handwriting curriculum when they're three. Definitely. <laughs> you need everything when you're three. Otherwise, what's going to happen is they're going to be behind. A hundred percent behind. If you don't get them set on that track, 
that is the winning track, that is the fast track to Harvard? No. And it all begins at three. Right. And if it's like three years and one day, forget it. No, it begins immediately. We're done with potty training, we're straight to the math books, straight to the reading, straight to the writing curriculum, straight to the, what else is there? All those of are it, the, Well, right? those are the big ones, but yeah, then again, start with yeah, the big ones, right? the big ones. So unfortunately, that's maybe what some of you have been thinking, right? Are you sitting there thinking, we were joking just now, by the yeah, way. we were Everything joking, Everything we just everybody. said was being facetious. We're kidding. However... I think we've talked to a number of moms who come in and talk to us or they talk on the phone and that's literally what they think. Mm -hmm. They think maybe not three, but for sure by four and five, if they haven't, or if they haven't sent their kid to a preschool, right? My four-year-old has only ever been home with me. And so that's going to be a problem and we're behind and we're never going to catch up and all of that. Are, Are you sitting there listening to us thinking that's the way it is? I just want to say this real quick because what happens you guys is that, um, okay, I'm going to put this in quotes, quote, unquote, school (laughs) starts very, it's earlier and earlier. Don't we know this? It used Mm -hmm. to be kindergarten, right? But now it's like, it's so early. So of course, academics begins when that word school begins. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so you start thinking that in your head, well, they have to be, you know, we need to be implementing all these curriculums. So why, yes. Why do we think it? Because that's what our culture tells us, right? I don't know about you, Jenny. I believed it, you know? Yeah, I, I believed it too. Yeah, I and I think, you know, as I think back, so the girls are 19 and 20 right now. Um, and I've told this story before. I kind of did okay when they were preschoolers up until five. I, I remember going to the schoolhouse, which is a, a, a teacher store in our community, when they were preschoolers looking for unit studies oh, for yeah. preschoolers, yes. things like that. And part most of it was I wanted to let a little structure into our days. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really about the academics, yeah. thankfully. Um, even that though, every time I tried to do something structured with them, it was just a dismal failure and I felt like a failure. And then Rachel, my older daughter turned five and I lost my mind. And mm. I decided that she had to learn to read immediately because she had yeah. just turned five. I don't know if you did that with the kids or especially with Noah, you're older, or were you able to avoid that whole pitfall? Well, the very first thing when I made the decision to homeschool, mm-hmm. the very first thing, and it didn't last long, but because remember, Noah had been to kindergarten. Yes. And then Madeline was, I was teaching Montessori. She was in that, she was three mm-hmm. on the other side. Mm-hmm. So the very first thing that I bought was from Schoolhouse, that little <laughs> store in our community here. It's a nice store, it but you nice don't have store. to go there when your child's I three. Know. I immediately <laughs> went into teacher mode and I yes. went there and I picked out, you know, the summer bridge. Is that what it's called? Oh summer yeah, bridge? summer bridge activities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was a workbook for each of them. Oh gosh. Yep. It's true. It is true. For your three and five-year-old. Yes. Mm -hmm. It didn't last long, but. Yes. And I started making Rachel learn to read, even though she had not demonstrated any readiness. She's brilliant, but she hadn't demonstrated readiness to read yet. And then I said, well, Abby's four and she's bright and she's only 11 and a half months younger than Rachel. So I might as well start her too. Of course. (laughs) I mean, what is wrong? But here's the thing. We have sympathy for you guys. If you're sitting there listening to this and you're thinking that you need to start quote unquote academics, Mm -hmm with your little children, but it's a lie. Okay. Yeah, it is a lie. It's a cultural lie that has come about probably we could say in the last 50 years or so. Um, and where does that lie come from? The devil. Ultimately. Yes. It comes from the devil. <laughs> it comes from, you know what it, it, it really, that lie comes from the system mm-hmm. is really where it comes from. Well, and so, um, 
we are going to link for you a book that I want all of you to get. Okay. You're probably going to buy out all the whole stock because it's a book that's out of print. And so it's a little bit expensive to buy in paperback, but you can also get a Kindle version. Stop what you're doing right now and get your pencil. Write this down. It's called Better Late Than Early by Raymond and Dorothy Moore. It was written in the, probably they wrote it in the late 70s, early 1980s. And a lot of you weren't even born then. And so you're going to think that's ancient history. Why would I read that? Here's the thing. You need to get the book. Even if you, I need to read in paperback. I can't read on Kindle. So it's a little bit of an investment to buy, but it's worth it. Ask for it for a birthday present. Ask for it for an early Christmas present. I don't know. Ask for a Valentine's present, whatever it might be. It's so valuable. Um, The Moors, it's called Better Late Than Early. So the premises don't start too early. I don't know that the Moors really had this idea in their mind until they started reading the research. The book, the first half of the book, is filled with summaries of the research studies that show that pushing early academics hurts kids. And I can hear it already. You're going to say, well, that book is 50 years old, 40 years old. Why would I listen to it? Here's the thing. That research has never been refuted. It's been covered up for the last 40 years. The Moors talk about it in their book that even when they wrote it, the research is older than that, and it was covered up then. Because it doesn't go with the cultural lies. Yeah. Right? They wrote this book right at the height of when feminism was starting. And the whole push to get mothers away from their children. And the whole push to say, you have to send your children to preschool and daycare. But it's a lie. Right? There has never been a research study that refuted what they say in the book. Which is, you need to wait on academics. But... If I could be so bold as be to bold, say, Tina. the last two years, we maybe have learned that what we hear in popular media is not necessarily the full truth. Mm-hmm. Um, things are covered up. The truth about what children need academically has been covered up for yeah. political reasons. Yep. That for, is right. For two generations now. Yes. Right. Absolutely. So the feminism lie, the, um, Ugh. Oh, the, and the one thing the, the Moors talk about is the overextension of special cases. So, for example, people will say, well, you know, the single mother has to send her child mm. to school. She has to work and mm. put food on the table. And I'm not discounting that at all, though you, uh, we all know and you will know if you talk to people, single mothers who homeschool. Okay. So uh, what the Moors talk about is people started extending those special cases to everybody. Right. So if the single mothers have to go out to work and put their kids in in daycare and preschool and then school, well, then everybody has to. Right. No, that's not true. It might be a case here or there. The problem is we have this kind of like jealousy thing going on in America. Um, Imagine in the late 1970s, early 1980s, and there were very few preschools and daycares. And the single mother down the street, divorce was not common, but the single mother down the street sends her child to daycare because she has to go to work. And you think you're the at-home mother and you've got all these children underfoot and you think she's got an easier time because she doesn't have to be at home with her children all day long. And you're like, well, why can't I send my kids to that daycare too? And then I can just have free time. Mm. So it's the whole American lie of if, if big is good, bigger is better, Yeah. right? So if some children need to be cared for outside their home, why can't they all be? Yeah. And that's 40 years old. And so now any of you raising children now, you have come to believe that sending your child to preschool is necessary for their well-being. But that's a lie. Yeah. And it's just, 
if you look at, like I said, when, when was kindergarten? Five. Was it five? Well, five. Was the original, right? Right. And then they went to four. Yep. And then. And now it's 3K. There's yeah. 3K. Okay. So now it's 3K. All over the place. So you can bet your bottom dollar there's going to be a 2K. Yes. At some point. Right. But it's all a lie. It is a lie. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about that feminism thing where you'll respect, and I'm, I'm just going to, I know we're not here to talk about feminism, but you just bring <laughs> that up because it really is such a, such a cultural thing right now. It's just so twisted. And just this idea that, you know, the, the woman's career and this is what you do. And yes, mm. there's all these places and you send your children off and, and, and they get to play with and socialize with all the other children mm-hmm. and do all the activities and do all these things while mom's out there doing all of these great things and obeying the boss. Mm. Maybe it's a man boss, <laughs> but then not respecting the husband, yeah. the husband at home. Right. And, and that's okay. But yet you'll be out in the workforce respecting the male boss. Right. It just is twisted and it doesn't make any sense. And your children are away from you. And that's just not the way God intended for it to be. Well, and it breaks my heart that many of you who are younger women um, feel that you would be somehow lesser or looked on upon as lesser if you, quote unquote, just stay home. That it's just terrible. needs to be removed from That's our vocabulary right. yes, it because it is a, a high calling. It Ugh. is a calling of honor. Um, I think it was Spurgeon who talked about um, mothers, meaning mothers who are at home raising their children, really having the same ministry as a missionary, as a preacher, as yeah, anybody else. And C.S. Lewis talks about that too, yeah. in just the sense of the they're not, yes, they're children now, mm-hmm. but these children will be adults. Yeah. And it is your full-time job to raise them well with God in the middle. There's a, there's a poem, and I think it's Spurgeon. I'm not quite sure, but the hand that rocks the cradle saves the world is mm-hmm. a line in that because it's exactly true. If you can pour into your children, their hearts, their minds, their souls, Everything. Karen Andriola has that same quote in her book. Um, Mother Culture? The first one. Not Mother Culture, but that other book that she has. You guys, I can't think about it. Isn't that terrible? We will figure it out and put it we'll in the We'll figure it out and put it in the links, but it's mm-hmm. by Karen Andriola, whom we love as an author. Mm-hmm. She has Mother Culture, and then she has the other one. I'm drawing a blank. But anyway, that's in there, and I have it highlighted. And mm-hmm. so good. Right. So we need to, It's you have to make a choice to see your calling to full-time motherhood as a, as a calling, mm-hmm. as a God-given gift, not as something lesser. That's right. You're not a lesser person if you are raising your children and not earning a paycheck yeah. from somebody else. Right. Um, you've actually done a very beautiful thing, but you don't have to be rushing the academics mm-hmm. to justify your existence at home. Cause I think that's what some women are doing as well. It's not a conscious thing, yeah. you know, like, well, if I'm home, I've got to start proving yeah. something and my three-year-old has to read and this, that, yes. the other thing. But if you will read the Moore's book and I can, we can tell you these things, but if you read the book, you will be so convicted in the best way to know that waiting for, to actually see your child's readiness is the mm-hmm. right thing. Because if you rush, you will hurt your child. Yeah. That is such true. And that's the thing. It's not just a matter of, well, if I wait, maybe I'm just being kind of nice to my kid or whatever. No, if you rush, you can damage the child. I think I I look at that, talk about damaging children and families. Mm -hmm. 
how many wars are uh, waged at home because of grades Yeah, between um, parents and kids, Yeah, all because of grades. Right. And even for homeschooling families, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're six or seven years old and you're somehow not measuring up because mom and dad have this idea of the academics you're supposed to be doing with homeschooling and you're not, I I don't know if you talk to ladies like this, Jenny, but a lot of women I talk to are like, my six-year-old can't write a short story. Mm -hmm. There's something wrong with this child. Right. I'm sorry. A six-year-old is not designed to write a short story. He's designed to tell you a short story. And if you want it written down, you can type it up while he tells it to you. But it's okay. It's normal. It's natural. No six-year-old should be sitting there writing a short story. Yeah. It's just not the well, what little it, six-year-olds are, yeah. are wired for. Exactly. And you know what, what comes in to paralyze moms? And, and I know this because I'm a mom, mm-hmm. right? We lived it, right? We lived it. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is constantly comparing your kids to other homeschool kids. Yeah. Stop. Don't do that. It doesn't matter if Johnny can read at three. And your little son, Benjamin, can barely talk. That is Benjamin's time. And Johnny has a different course that God sent him on. Yes. You have to stop comparing because it's destructive for your heart, your husband's heart. And it's destructive mostly for the children's heart. But God knows what he's doing. And you just... Even if, you know, the children would keep advancing forward, regardless of all of these curriculums that we buy, all the things, because their their minds are taught by the Lord, but their, their minds are constantly soaking things in. And if so, we let it happen naturally, if we let when it they're happen little. naturally. Yeah. So I, I'm going to blow, I probably am going to blow your minds. I might blow your mind, Jenny. My mind was blown when okay. I read this book. Cause here's yeah. the thing. I had the book on my shelf since the time my girls were toddlers, but I didn't read it. Yeah. <laughs> I probably did damage the girls and by God's grace, they're fine. Mm-hmm. Because I wasn't following some of these principles, but um, boy, it's amazing. So at what age does the optimal ability to be learning academics start? What would you say, Jenny? I'm going to say- According to research. Yeah. Okay. According to research, when is the optimal time? To start doing academics. According to the world? No, according to research. Okay. We already know that, you know, according okay, to the yeah, world, yeah. Right. three-year-olds okay. should be reading. Yep, yep, yep. Right? Not true. I'm going to say probably third grade. So eight. Ding, 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 ding. Am I right? Yes. I'm right. So here's because the thing. that's truth. I can see how that would be. Yes. Okay. So the Moors in this book, Better Late Than Early, talk about, and oh, um, A friend of mine, not a friend, a Facebook acquaintance, Mary Hood. She's a very (coughs) wonderful veteran homeschooler. Yes. Mary, shout out to you if you're listening to this. Reminded me recently on Facebook that the Moors have another book called School Can Wait. That fleshes out some of these ideas even more. So that's another one to get. Um, But in this Better Late Than Early, they talk about a term, the IML or Integrated Maturity Level. Mm. And again, this is not something they pulled out of their hat. This is not something that they made up so that more people would have their kids home or this, that, or the other thing. They read the research and they were pretty blown away that all these independent researchers studying different aspects of child development Mm -hmm. came up with the same conclusion, which was that a child is not ready for things that 
are necessary for academics until the ages of eight to 10. Wow. Okay. And so the integrated maturity level is when all the different aspects of a child's development kind of coalesce okay. and they're ready to tackle academics without so much angst and stress mm-hmm. that they go through when we push it early. Right. Yeah. So here's what coalesces their census. Okay. Before the ages of eight or 10, we're making kids read all the time, right? We're trying to get them to read. Guess what? Kids are naturally farsighted mm-hmm. until that age. Interesting. And if we force them to focus on too close work too much of the time, yeah. we will actually damage their eyes and make them nearsighted. Why are there more and more kids needing glasses younger and younger? Wow. It's because we're making them to do too yeah. much close work. That right? and their computer screens. That too. But it's, again, it's all about close work, right? They're naturally farsighted. Their eyes are not fully developed so that they can be flexible enough to go back and forth until between the ages of eight and 10. Um, Also their hearing, you know, um, uh, it's funny because we think, okay, maybe a two or three-year-old isn't going to hear correctly, but it even is a little bit older. Um, my mother-in-law tells a story of when she was doing the Lord's Prayer um, or hearing the Lord's Prayer in church. And she thought that it started, oh, yeah. you know, um, uh, our Father who art in heaven, Howard be thy name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and other things like that. Literally little kids yes. hear things wrong. That is so true. Right? We can all yes. think of examples of that. It's because yeah. their hearing isn't uh-huh. quite ready. Yeah yet. Yeah. Right. And that's just true. Motor skills. Okay. Their gross motor skills are developing when they're three, four, five years old. Their fine motor skills, the ability to (coughs) hold a pencil, to hold the scissors, all these different things. Most kids are not there. Okay. And again, these were all these independent researchers studying different aspects and they all came to the conclusion independently of each other that eight to 10 is where things start to coalesce. That makes sense to me. Social emotional development, kids' wow. security in their parents, in their world, in their environment does not settle in. So if you have a child who is anxious because you're sending them to preschool yeah. at four and you think the child's a problem, no, sending them to preschool is the problem. They're not ready. Yeah. They're going to become insecure because you're sending them away when they're not ready. And if you think about even this potty training thing, that is such a thing, right? Hurry up, potty train them so that they can come. Well, doesn't that say a lot? Oh my goodness. So you're trying to hurry up. You're trying to advance their development and do it. And then that, I mean, having little spats and fights with your little one who's just learning because they have to hurry up and get to preschool so that you can do whatever it is that you do. There's see, even that, even something like potty training, you're going to try to, you're going to try to manipulate that. Right. Right. And and it starts there. And then we think, okay, we manipulated that child into being potty trained at two and a half, even though he wasn't really ready. So why is he suddenly anxious? Why? Because you pushed his potty training. Right. And then it's going to go into reading and everything else. Um, And and the cognitive thing too. So these other researchers said, okay, a child's ability to reason, start to be thinking beyond just normal everyday things like, like daily functioning. Yeah. (laughs) It all starts to coalesce between the ages of eight and 10 and not before. Mm. So does that mean we shouldn't do anything academic with a younger child? I probably not. Right. I mean, you could read to your younger children if they're asking, mom, can you, can you teach me how to write my name? If they're asking, they're ready. Right. So when I, you know, I have learned and I tell people now, wait for your child's readiness. Yeah. You can see it. You know it. 
And so, yeah, if your six-year-old is saying, yes, I want to learn how to write, I want this, whatever, don't stop them. Right. <laughs> because then that can become a thing, right? Exactly. That, then you could say, but, well, nope, we're not going to do anything until eight. Right. I'll just be building Etsy shops, okay? <laughs> right. But keep in mind that we, we don't need to be pushing. Yep. Or if your child starts at six and it's kind of herky-jerky for a couple of years, yeah. and then they kind of settle, they will, according to the research, <clears throat> kids who are not pushed will settle into this sweet spot where now that learning is seamless... Yeah. But it'll be a lot less stressful for yeah. everybody involved if you wait till they're actually ready and they've got that, all those things coming together. Mm -hmm. And then the sweet spot of where they can learn like everything yeah. is between the ages of 10 and 14. Mm -hmm. And I have heard stories of uh, kids who didn't go to school. They were probably radical unschoolers or something. And then their parents sent them to school mm -hmm. um, like at 10 years old. And within six months, they were completely, quote unquote, caught up with other 10 year olds. Wow. They hadn't had a lesson up until that yeah, time. I believe it. It's because they're in that learning yep. sweet spot, yeah. right? So we have to go with how our kids are wired. Yeah. And, and our culture right now is fighting against it. And yep. if you choose to wait for readiness, you're going to get lots of criticism, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't still wait. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Right? I'm, I'm comparing, not to change subjects, but I'm going to do it, you guys. Listen, we just got a new kitten. <laughs> and so we are. What's his name? Share his name. Yeah. So his name is um, Lewis Edmund Tetzner. He's gorgeous. He's beautiful. He's two months. So how am I bringing this back around to homeschooling and what <laughs> Tina's talking about with readiness? I'll tell you. All of God's creatures, it's just that built-in readiness when God decides, right? Well, so he was in Madeline's room, which is the top floor in our house. You know how they make you segregate the cats. So because you have your older cat, yeah, Sophie. Because we have Sophia Louise Tetzner, and you know, she's she's tolerating at this point. <laughs> so we let Lewis out, and his litter box was in Madeline's room. So we moved it to the middle floor where it remains. And um we are really chomping at the bit to get that litter box down to the basement. So that when people come to our house, obviously we don't want the litter box right there in the hallway. But um, can we move Lewis's litter box right now, Tina? No, you should not. Lewis is not ready. Mm -mm. He's not ready for I it. I mean, if you want little accidents or on purposes all over your living room, go ahead and move it. But <laughs> rumor has it, we have to wait until he gets acclimated with our basement. For whatever reason, Lewis is not interested in going to the basement. And when we bring him down, he goes right back up. So you see, guys, even the kitty cat, <laughs> even the cat, I cannot fast forward his development. I can't right. do it. Right? Right. But the question then becomes, what do we do with our little children if we're not doing academics? That's a great question. What do you think, Jenny? If you're Play. talking a child who's five and under, let's say. Yeah. Um, oh, and let's back it up a little yeah. bit because I said five and under, but that really kind of depends as well. Um, but the reason I said that is because even if you know you're going to homeschool, um, you're probably worried about your homeschool law, mm -hmm. Right. And I know that some homeschool laws say that you must start, quote unquote, doing stuff when the child's five. In the state where we live, Wisconsin, it's six. In a couple of other states, it's still seven, praise God. <laughs> but that's rare, right? I don't know of a homeschool law that says you need to start academics younger than the age of five. So you have at least until then. And even when your child turns five or six or seven, if they're not ready, you can still adjust your academics to meet their needs. Yep. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. But let's say five and six and under. Ask me that question again. What should we do with our children when they're under the age of five or six? You know what we did? Tell me. I know that we did get the workbook, guys, but then we canned <laughs> that thing immediately. And we 
we lived our life as a family. Mm-hmm. We did all the things that are natural to do. Yes. We went grocery shopping. We went to the park. We had swimming lessons. We went to play dates with all the friends. We, we went, went to, to the zoo. We went to the right? zoo. We mm-hmm. went to church. We went to museums. We did all the things and we learned. They yes. asked questions. It was natural. And so even while I'm saying this, I, it wasn't like, it wasn't unnatural. It was just a natural part of mothering them and, and, and Joel, you know, fathering them. It was so natural. We just lived life. We did things and their, their curiosity brought each and every lesson is what happened. Right. And here's the thing. You were being active with them. Little kids need to be active. Mm -hmm. Arts and crafts. Arts and crafts. It was all hands-on learning. It was all project-based. And if you need to think in terms of academic subjects, every time you spoke with them about some new concept or visit or whatever, you're developing their vocabulary, right? You're you're going to the zoo. That's science. You're going to the children's museum. That's all kinds of stuff. Letters on signs, reading little Mm -hmm. words on. Mm -hmm. You're reading aloud to them, right? They are hearing the cadence of language. Mm -hmm. They're hearing how stories are composed. If they want to sit next to you, they're seeing the words on the page and they're starting to put together two and two that stories are made up of these little squiggly lines on the book pages. Um, They're analyzing the pictures in yeah. the books and you're talking about and that. And they loved making their own little books. Yes. With the yes. stapler and, you know, just little, those things, there's a gazillion things. Yes. Yeah. You're, you're counting goldfish crackers or whatever yes. it is. Yes. You can think in terms, if it helps you to feel better, right? You can think in terms of academic subjects after the fact, yep. right? If you're just living life and you're like, oh my goodness, I feel like we should be doing math. Mm-hmm. Oh, we, we counted M&Ms to 100 today. What's a good remedy for this? We always tell moms. Tell me. Write it down. Yes. If you feel, now I know that there's a lot of schedulers out there who love working with, you know, um, planners and everything. But after the fact, when the kiddos are sleeping, you're spending time by yourself, get yourself just a cheap little notebook and write down all of the activities that you did with your kiddos that day. And when you look at that, you're going to see all of the learning. You will visually see the learning, but you, you do have to be open-minded. You cannot think in terms of, um, you know, textbook like learning. You have to understand, you know, look, look for those little golden things like the counting of the goldfish and that's math. It's about living your life day to day. And then after the fact, yeah. kind of categorizing yeah. it for yourself. Yeah. Don't make a lesson plan. Nope. That's where I mis- made the mistake with my girls. When I'd go get these little unit study books, mm-hmm. um, I was making lesson plans. Yeah. And the girls weren't following along with the lesson plans. They couldn't read them <laughs> or whatever. Exactly. Um, but if I would just be hanging out and then things would happen, oh, hey, we're going to make this recipe or whatever. It was natural. Yeah. Right. So when I relaxed and then I could look at the learning after the fact. And I actually did make these little grids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I could go look back at them now and I could see, oh, here's what we did that day. And do I think now, yes, that was pre-reading. That was this, that was that. Yes, absolutely. And that's a cool blessing, yeah. right? But it has to be after the fact, not pre-planning at that age. You know, you'll stress yourself out. Yeah. And using just a, a cheap little notebook yeah. to keep track of that is such a great idea. There is another book. I'd love to link it. I won't be able to think about it. I, I can't think of the name, but we have it. We actually have it in our resource center. 
Do you know which one I'm talking about? It just has that well, very- Well, no, if you could describe it a little bit. <laughs> it's spiral bound. I think it's like a little spiral bound. And I'm trying to think of who is the- Is it like the little planner thing? Yes, it it's is. It's called Lifestyle of Learning. Larry, see, I knew you'd know. By Knotgrass. There it is. There I go. love that. And it's that. just a little so journal simple. where you can write yes. down things, right? But again, not lesson plans. Nope, they're not just lesson plans. It prompts after you. after yes. the fact, yep. right? So that you can feel a little bit more secure. And so if some- relative or quote unquote friend, I don't think a real friend would do this, but asks you, what are you doing academically with your child? Um, not that you have to answer that. Yeah. You actually don't. Yeah. But if you, if somebody says that nicely, mm -hmm. you can say, well, Hey, you know, I'm, I actually do three read aloud story times yeah. with the kids every day. And we talk about a lot of things. And, um, and so and you could even throw some yeah. science at them and you could say, you know, research shows that I shouldn't be pushing them to learn to read, but we're reading aloud and talking. It's really good. Just, which kind of throw some of that stuff at them and that'll appease them. That's right? really good. You know, we counted M&Ms to a hundred or, you know, we counted six M&Ms when he actually hit the toilet with his little pee pee. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Homeschool friends. I don't, I don't have a son, yeah. but you know. Right. Well, um, here's the reality. Because another good reason for writing that down after the fact, you know, when you're there and you're quiet mm -hmm. time at night is here's the reality. Um, the enemy's always coming at you and he's yeah. the accuser and he's always going to accuse you that you're not doing enough with your little ones that um, remember Johnny who can read really good just a couple doors down yeah. from you and, and Benjamin, nothing. He's going to be so behind. Listen, you will have that notebook to remind yourself that you are enough. You are doing enough. And these are the things. And that, and then like Tina said, you can actually remember, you'll have some ammunition to say to people, right? This is what we do. This is what we've been working on. This is what the kids have been exploring. And because of that, this is what they've been learning. Or the confidence to know you don't have to answer those questions, right? Amen. Either way, That's right. right. Yep. Um, but the other thing, what else are you working on? When I use the word little, ammunition. I feel right, bad about that. But no, you know don't feel saying. bad about okay. that. Um, <laughs> Not a worry, guys. Character, right? Okay. Work on your children's foundational character mm. in those early years. And frankly, work that's on your so good. own character, yes. right? I mean, little children, that's the character building time for parents. <laughs> Education is an atmosphere, a discipline, and a life. Charlotte Mason. And that discipline, that's that habit training. Yes. Obedience is the foundation. And during those little times, you will be working on obedience and that will become a habit. And listen, if you cannot, if there is no obedience, you can't teach your children anything. So it doesn't matter that Benjamin can't read because unless Benjamin learns obedience first, yeah. right? You get the, you get the picture. That's okay. critical. I'm glad that you said that. Yeah. So well, important. I mean, so that's what we can spend our time on and it's like building a house, right? Yeah. The character building is the foundation. Yes. Right. You cannot build the walls of a house. You can't put the roof on if there's no foundation. Mm -hmm. And so the reading, the math, all that stuff is, you know, the first story, the second story, but you need the foundation. Yeah. And those early years before that integrated maturity level really kicks in, you do that. And then the academic part easier. Yeah. Because they'll have their habits already in it's place. It's so critical. And that is one thing that we see here at the homeschool loft is um, most parents who are new to homeschooling. The first thing that they want to know is what curriculum will I be using with my children? <laughs> yes. And, you know, we have to stop them right there and say, but let's not talk about curriculum mm -hmm. because yeah, that's the critical point, especially that's what they were designed. That's when their little 
brains can really take it all in and really understand it, you know? Yes. Um, I have been getting a lot of questions lately about um, this age and how do I find activities outside the home for my three-year-old? Should I put them in preschool so they can <clears throat> socialize? I can't. I can't. No, 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 no. The Moors will tell you again in this book, and it's not that you isolate your little children. Yep. Okay. Little children do not need hours a day away from their parents. That's right. Okay. They need hours a day with their parents. That's right. They will learn their character from you, mm-hmm. for good, bad, or otherwise. Yeah. So also train yeah. yourself. Um, they will learn the security in you if you are the one there. That's right. If you set up one play date a week for a couple hours and you're there, mm-hmm. fine. That's mm-hmm. fine. But little kids actually until the age of four or five don't even play together. They parallel play. Yeah. So they're going to be going over to Sally's house and they're going to be in the other little room. And, you know, that's right. Sally will be playing with her dolls and Janie will be playing with the blocks next to each yeah. other. And not even talking. Right. And sometimes they will, but, yeah. but, you know, and then they'll yeah. fight and, that, and, and that's okay. It's all a learning process too, but your children do not need to be immersed. Yeah in peer socialization at that That's age. Right. They, again, it's like building the foundation. They need the security of home. They need to be character training. They need the habits. They need to learn how to contribute to a home, how to yeah. do, you know, what chores can you teach them to yeah. do? Not that you want to make your children little servants, but it's all about the bigger picture. You know, if, if Johnny's helping you put the socks away today, that's a character training thing that he can do at his level when he's two. Yeah. <laughs> To build something greater into him when he's older, right? So kids need the majority of their time at home mm-hmm. with their parents and their siblings, mm-hmm. right? What greater what greater way to learn to get along with others than with your own siblings? Yeah, right. <laughs> and here's a great thing too is, you know, we have to check our hearts as the moms and the dads of, um, you know, Tina mentioned about putting socks away. Mm-hmm. Well, here's here's what needs to happen is you're the model for that. Yeah. And so you can't, when you're, in these early years of um, laying that foundation of good habits, it's also going to be an opportunity for you to, you know, you start putting your socks away. You start make, making make the your bed. bed. Yes, you open up your Bible, your yes. your physical copy that has pages and looks like a book, and you sit down, just place yourself somewhere where they can look at you and see you. And I know that everybody has the Bible app. I get that. But what does that actually look like to your children? Yeah. Are you on your phone? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what it looks like. You're just sitting there on your phone. But right. if you have the Bible open right in front of them, that this is all part of it. They're not going to get that, you know, at the preschool. They need that from mom and dad. Yeah. They need to see that from mom right. if mom's home all day. Right. And and also character training, because some moms are going to say, well, my kids won't let me have that time. Well, there's a few answers to that. Um, I know it's hard. Oh, my goodness. Um, I only have two children, but I was doing in-home child care when they were little. And I had little ones coming to my house at seven in the morning. So that means I had to be up <laughs> and I'm not necessarily a, a giant morning person, you know. Um, it's a, So one one way to get around that is to... Do some, spend some time with the Lord before your children wake up, even if that means getting up a little earlier or character training, train your children that mommy has this time with God. That's right. And you can be quiet for 10 minutes. You can be quiet for 15. Um, 
the, we maybe talked about this on the podcast before, the, but the mother of Charles and John Wesley um, and their siblings, yeah. there were like 10 yes. or 12 siblings. Um, and of course, back at that time, everybody was homeschooled. They were home, <laughs> right? Um, Mrs. Wesley would put her apron over her head and her children quickly learned. That's when mommy's praying. We will not interfere with her. She's praying, right? Um, more contemporary and I think hilarious, um, a, uh, a couple, Jill and Stuart Briscoe, they are a pastor and his wife out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, retired now. Um, but Jill, the wife, talks about a story about this where she would get into her children's pack and play <laughs> when wow. she was doing her devotional. She would go in there with her Bible and her concordance, and it was probably just 10 to 15 minutes at a time when the children were little, but they knew when mommy is in our pack and play, <laughs> yeah, she's talking to God and we need to just let her be. And so you can create those moments where your children learn because you're setting the example. And it has to be done when they're little. It yes. has to start there. This is an, a prime opportunity. So do you see, do you see how if you ship them off to preschool because you're so worried about academics and yeah. you're so, and that's really what it is. It's the yeah. academics. And do you understand that the beauty the most important work is at the home. Yeah. The most important work is, is with you. It's with you modeling to them and th those habits. Yeah. And those habits have to happen home. Right. Yeah. The preschool teacher, if she, it doesn't matter if she's the most wonderful person on the face of the earth, she's not going to be able to teach your children the character traits that you are wired and designed to teach yeah. them. Yeah. Academics will come. I mean, if you look at your own education, are you the most academic person on the planet Earth? Probably not. None of us are. And so, but God has a path and he has a plan. And when we put him first in every single thing, and when we're diligent to that high calling of mm -hmm. mother, like Tina was talking about, that's where, that's where your concern is. Mm -hmm. Your concern is not on what curriculum am I going to get for my two-year-old, what curriculum am I going to get for my three-year-old? Your concern is the Lord called me to be a model. Mm -hmm. The Lord has called me to shape and form the character of this little one. And the way that we're going to do that is by modeling mm -hmm. and by living life and doing life together. And it'll all just unroll. You'll know the next step. You'll know when they're ready. We're not saying uh, push academics off forever. That's definitely not what we're saying, but it is a natural progress. Yeah. Cause you'll see the readiness, you know, for the reading, for example, when your child sits next to you, when you're doing a read aloud and they figure out a few of the words, yeah. right. When you're driving along and they see a billboard and they ask what it says, or they figure out some of those yeah. words, you know, or they say, mama, can I learn to read? Mm -hmm. Right. And the same goes for any other subject, but reading is so foundational, right. Yeah. To so many other things, it will come, especially if they don't feel pressured. Right. And for some children, again, we're not saying to delay it if your child is actually showing readiness. I think that a child who is at home with his or her parents has that security, has the character foundation, may actually kind of reach a lot of that integrated maturity level earlier yeah. than some other kids. Right. Maybe not the eyesight and things like that. So you yeah. still need to be careful. But but there are literally some children who ask or are able to teach themselves to read when they're three or four yes. years old. That's a, that's neat. That's cool. It doesn't mean that your child who doesn't read 
at three and four is behind or dyslexic or anything like that. Um, So you have to give yourself grace and your kids grace and keep that age frame in mind. If you watch for readiness and you are patient, between the ages of eight and 10, it will kick in if it doesn't before. Think about, think about that. Let's look at all of the things that we push moms, right? I, I feel like dads, and I don't know, dads seem to be a little bit more laid back about it, but let's look at these big ones. Potty training. <laughs> it's such a huge concern, okay? Oh my goodness, they're wet in the pull-up, right? We went from the diaper to the pull-up, and you know, eventually what's going to happen is they're not going to wet their bed forever, they just right. won't, but no, we're because so their little quick. nerve endings finally do grow. Yep. They're, we're so quick. And they even say sometimes children can have accidents all the way up, all the way past the time mom and dad are comfortable for. Maybe till about eight or 10 years old. Yeah. Sometimes at night, if they're really deep sleepers, right? right? Mm-hmm. And so, but everybody wants a solution. Well, is there a medication they should be yeah. on? Let's bring them, you know, to the chiropractor to get adjusted. And I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying, I'm talking about look at the high concern that's happening in the parent's mind. The next one, it's reading. Oh my goodness. They're never going to be able to read. Oh, we have to get them special help. How about speech? Speech Mm. is always a big one. Well, they're not saying their S is the right way or something. Yes, there's a place for a speech therapist. I'm not knocking that. But what I'm saying is, do you see all of these different things? Riding the bike, he just doesn't get Mm. it. He keeps falling off. Oh my goodness. She's still crawling. She's just not a good walker. All of these things things. It's just, it's, it goes on and on. And so that is constantly because of one thing. And that is called comparison. Other people's charts, other people's ideas of when this body in this child that God created should be at a marker. How would any other human be able to, to say that we're not all going to land. Yes. There's a big, you know, what is it? There's a, a, there's a a developmental range, but it's a range. It's not a date. Right. Exactly. And the ranges, even when you talk to pediatricians, are broad. They are broad. Right? Mm-hmm. And some people don't have to be, maybe they're just a bit beyond the range. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. So stop trying to be at the head of the curve. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You know, so if the range of walking is, let's say, 10 months to 14 months. I don't even know what the the normal range is. Okay. And, and maybe the, or let's say 18 months, right. And let's say the pediatrician says, well, if your child isn't walking solidly by 18 months, there's a problem. Okay. Stop trying to be the one who has the kid who walks at 10 months. You know what? It doesn't matter. Um, because unless there is a medical physical problem, every child will walk. And there's a whole lot of reasons why they may be waiting Yeah. And I, I want to add it up too that a lot of times we take their abilities, right? We put, well, I hate to say it like this, but we look at that as like a fail, Mm -hmm. a fail, right? And we put that on us and how does it make us look? If I don't have my child reading at a certain time, it's going to make me look terrible. Mm -hmm. I'm with a group of moms whose children are reading chapter books all the time. And my child is struggling. Yeah. And so your child probably doesn't care. And if you didn't mention it to him, mm-hmm. would naturally just develop. Yep. Because I can promise you the little four-year-olds aren't sitting around comparing who can read and who can't. No. They just don't do that. And so we, you know, sometimes as parents take on this uh, shame 
know, because of comparison and we just have to stop it. It's damaging. Again, I, I'll say it. Yeah. It damages the kids, the family, the relationships, all of it. Yeah. Well, I, have, I have two things about that real quick. Good. Um, more research. Yep. Um, there, there's been a gob of research on kids who go to Head Start which has been around for 50 years or so. And it's, you know, two, three, four years old, you're going to that. And when those kids go to school at five or six years old, and then you bring in children who stayed home until five or six years old, the kids who went to Head Start look at the beginning as if they're ahead. They look like the bright ones. They're reading early. They're doing this. They're doing that. But guess what? By the time they're in third grade, eight, nine years old, that complete, that gap of achievement completely goes away. Mm -hmm. What it is replaced with, and this is not me, this is research. Mm -hmm. What it is replaced with is those kids who were forced to start early because that's yes. what Head Start is. You're, yep. you're, the kid didn't ask to go to Head Start when he's two years old. You sent him. Yep. All the academic achievement evens out. The later bloomers, so to speak, they don't look any different than the early starters academically. Yeah. The difference comes in the fact that the early starters begin to hate school. I they begin that. to hate learning. Yes. They suddenly plateau at eight and nine years old, right when the later bloomers, the ones who were allowed to just have the freedom to be little children when they were little children, they're just blossoming. And so it's a, it's a, a, an emotional thing that kicks in and it makes those early forced early starters tank. Stealing childhood. Stealing childhood. Right. Um, and I also wanted to say, you know, you said, you know, if your child's a later bloomer, don't have shame. If your child is an early bloomer naturally, and you're proud of that, and you're putting that on yourself, like, look at me, my child's so smart, I must re stop it. Stop it. Repent. Yes. That's pride. Yes. Don't do it. Yep. Because you're causing another mom to fail. Yeah. You know, because. You and your child's not perfect. That's he right. does not. He's going to be, quote unquote, behind, he's going to take slower and longer with something else. I should say not causing the mom to fail, causing her to believe to that feel. she failed. Right. 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 And that's just so, yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a dangerous. bad pride thing. If you're the one whose child is, you know, a faster learner, yeah. um, it's not a reflection on you. That's a reflection on how God wired that child. And don't you dare take credit for it. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Sorry about amen. that. That's yeah. a little harsh, but yeah. Hey, that's just the way it is. And we have to, you know, we're, we're in this mom thing, all of us, we all have pretty much the same feelings. We, you know, God mm -hmm. gave us all uh, these feelings and we can look to the gifts that he gave us, or we can look at everything we don't have. And when we're moms that are boastful, when we're putting our children out there, not, you know, it's, yeah, of course you should be proud of your kids. But when you're saying, well, you know, well, we took Suzuki piano lessons and my mm -hmm. children can read, uh, you know, a whole Latin Chaucer book, or, you know, who knows eight. what it is. <laughs> you know, it's just. Maybe. If your child reads Chaucer at eight, let him enjoy it. Don't brag about it. Yeah. <laughs> maybe just brag about it at home. Yes. I mean, build him up, but don't, yeah. don't, not at the expense of somebody else. Humility. Yeah. Right. Yes. So, so the answer to homeschooling and preschool and kindergarten, what would you say it is, Jenny? Um, ask me the full question. So. What should we do for homeschooling in preschool and kindergarten? We should live life with our children and lay the foundation for obedience mm -hmm. and 
good habits. Yes. And joyful learning, heart learning, natural learning. Watch for readiness, but don't push it. Don't presume. Be patient. Be patient. Because you're learning as well. Yeah. Mom, you're learning and teaching your children humility. Mm -hmm. You will look different than the world if you choose to not pressure your children with early academics. Um, That's a good, wait, stop. That is a good point. Mm -hmm. Black and white have turned to gray, haven't they? We are not supposed to look like the world. Mm -hmm. Yet in all ways of parenting, it seems like so many parents, you know, even if your children are going to Christian school or something, it's everybody wants to be on that same track. They all want to be at the same developmental track. And the truth of the matter is your children are individual and they can't be. There's no way. So we have to walk away from the world's way of thinking about that and be unique as God created us to be and, and be the ones who forge that, you know, unbeaten trail, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah. And you're going to look different. It's going to be uncomfortable because people are going to say that you're not, you know, pushing your kids academically. And again, our culture lies and says earlier is better. That's not what the research shows, but these cultural norms that come out in the media and all of that. So it's going to feel uncomfortable. That's right. You're going to look different. Yes. You, You need to shore yourself up with good research, good information, Talking to moms who've been through it and their kids are older and they can tell you you're fine. It's healthy to wait. Um, You will not regret it in the end if you wait to actually see your child's readiness and not be pushing because all those other foundational things you will grow in your child, the relationship, your family, all you won't regret it. You just have to be willing to not go along with the unhealthy flow when they're little. Amen to that. Thank you so much for listening if you've made it this far. Have you believed the world's lies? Have you pushed your children in places that they shouldn't be, that they aren't ready for? I have. I think you have too, Tina. Unfortunately. But you know what? It's it's never too late. And God's grace is abundant. And so you can start that brave journey today of walking a different way. And resting in the fact that your children are God's children and he has a plan and a purpose for you as a family. He has a plan and a purpose that he's put into them. And so I hope that you have confidence in your homeschool journey. You don't have to make it look like the world does. Rest in God's plan. (laughs) 